Good evening, Lake Church. Oh, really? That's all I get? Good evening, Lake Church. Thank you. Thank you very much. Man, we want to welcome you to Wednesday night. Uh, If you don't mind, take a few minutes, get on Facebook, tag in, let people know where you're at, what you're doing, and maybe somebody will catch some good word tonight. Amen? Amen. All right. I got a few announcements tonight. You're welcome. Overcomers, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Uh, it's, good. Uh, it's been good. It's been one of the, it's been a blessing to be a part of that and uh, the team that I'm working with. And I'm telling you, it's really been a blessing. And I hope people's lives are being changed and, and God is being served. Amen. Amen. Uh, TCA Firework Fundraiser is fixing to start up on June the 23rd. Uh, it's for Train Christian Academy. We'll be selling, they'll be selling fireworks to help raise funds for school costs this year. They're wanting volunteers and, uh, there's a slot sheet, there's a sheet, a sign up sheet out in the foyer, so, Take some time, sacrifice some time, come out and be a blessing, and uh, sow some seed. Y'all know that time is time is seed, amen? amen. Amen. Not just money, but time. Time is seed, amen. Uh, also, coming up here real quick in June, we have the missionary training school in Uganda. We we're wanting to give them a a nice offering, so y'all be praying about what you're going to do for them, and let's be a blessing to them when Pastor hands them that check, let it just weight them down on the way home, amen? Amen. All right. Seems like I'm forgetting something, but I don't have it on paper right here right now, so I'll get with you next time. Hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to move on into offering time. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you about some of the ways to give. We uh, got online at lakechurch.com. You can go on there, or go online and just hit the giving button and it'll just guide you right through it. We got envelopes in the seat backs uh, and a bucket in the back. So you can just fill up the envelope and drop it in the bucket on your way out. We have text to give, and the information for it's right there beside the envelopes if you need it on the seat backs. And also, we got the church center out, and like I stated last time, I can no longer say I don't know how to work it. It was one of the easiest things I've ever done, amen? You can go on there and just get, get downloaded, get all your information, get your giving done, and uh, figure out what's going on at Lake Church, all in one setting. Amen? Amen. All right. You know, I was talking about time is seed. And I was reading something in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that just struck me different this evening. And it says... 
as we all know, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So, I've always thought of that in a spending time with God sense. You know what I mean? Getting into the word, because it goes on to say, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. You know, your, your primary purpose is to show forth the glory of God. Amen. But it's also to love and help out others. Amen. And sometimes we have to make a sacrifice. I mean, what a better way to be a living sacrifice than to actually get out there and put some feet on the ground and do something for somebody else, help somebody else out, and be a blessing. Amen? It's, it's sowing seed, and God will redeem that time. Amen? I mean, and I'm going to tell you, like, the uh, fireworks stand, middle of June, summertime, it's going to be hot. It's going to be a sacrifice. Amen? It's going to be a sacrifice, but it would be well worth the effort. Amen? God will bless you for that effort. Hallelujah. So we get caught up and we start thinking about ourselves because we sacrifice our time at work. And primarily what we go to work for or what we should go to work for is to be a blessing to others. Because we should be standing in faith that God is our provision and our exceeding great reward. Amen? But we get caught up, especially in today's times, where I have to work harder. I have to work longer. I get caught up in it. I mean, if it's one thing I do is work. So, But we get caught up in it, worrying about how the bills are going to get paid, how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that. But when you put your body on the sacri- as a sacrifice on the altar, giving of your time, God will redeem that time. The more we stand in faith, the more we trust God, the more we believe God, the more he's going to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? 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 Guys, it's a heart thing. Your giving is a heart thing, whether it's money, whether it's time. It's a heart thing, and that's what God looks at. Amen? Amen. So, let's pray over the offering, and then we're going to go to Pastor Kevin and get some powerful word this evening. Amen. Father God, we just thank you and praise you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. You are our provision and our exceeding great reward. And we thank you, Lord, that as we sow seed, as we sow time, as we sow money, Father God, that you will redeem that time, you will redeem that money. And that, and that seed will just blossom forth into an abundant harvest, Father God. So we just thank you for your word that's going to come forth tonight with power and unction of the Holy Ghost. And we just give you all praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good evening. All right. So, y'all seem a little quiet, a little slow reactionary. Wise, so let's stand to our feet, shake off all of the things of the day, and let's all come together 
because I'm not up here to do this by myself. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to sit there and let me do this by myself. You're going to be a part of it. So <laughs> we came to not to spectate, but participate. All right. <laughs> so let's just begin to praise him. Just enter into an awareness of his presence. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise tonight. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Father God, that we come together tonight to bring glory and honor to you, Father God, to draw upon your holy word. Father God, we just thank you for your presence tonight by your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring revelation knowledge to us tonight. We yield to you. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. So we just ask you, we invite you to just come in to our consciousness right now. We just raise our awareness, Father God, of your presence that you're here tonight. Oh, where two or more are gathered together, in the name of Jesus, you are in the midst. So we just thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you that this night is ordained of you. You knew who would be here tonight. You know what we need to hear. You know each heart. We just thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We just acknowledge you. We worship you. You're worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. All glory and honor go to you, Almighty God. We give you praise. Jesus, you are King of kings. Hallelujah. You are the King of the ages, the Lord of glory. We just acknowledge that you are our Lord and our King, our Savior. We thank you for the price that you paid for us, for your precious blood that you shed for us, your body, that you set us apart unto God, that you made us a, a nation of priests unto you. Hallelujah. I thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. That we stand redeemed in the eyes of God. We're justified and righteous. Thank you for your perfect righteousness, Father God. That you've given your perfect righteousness to us as a gift. And that we can stand in your presence without any feeling of guilt or inferiority, Father God. That we stand in the presence of the enemy as a conqueror. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, as we come together in one mind, in one accord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just let the things that happen today just ebb away from your mind. Just forget everything that happened today. Let it go. We don't want it to be a hindrance to us tonight. Just let all of the, the busyness of the day just ebb away from your mind. Just allow the consciousness of God's presence to just become manifest to you. Just recognize that He is here. He's always with us. Just allow your consciousness to rise, the awareness of His presence to just increase right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God.
Hallelujah. We come to encounter you tonight, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yes, we worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. We offer you the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, Father God. Thanksgiving for all that you've done for us. We're grateful, Father God. Grateful for all that you've done for us, Father God. We're grateful. Hallelujah. We're grateful for the price that Jesus paid. We're grateful. Hallelujah. For redemption. Grateful that you redeemed us out of slavery. Redeemed us out of slavery to sin and to Satan. Delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Hallelujah. We are grateful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you. We are free tonight. Hallelujah. We are free tonight. I said, we are free tonight. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We are freed people tonight. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you that we are reconciled to you. Yes, hallelujah. We are reconciled. We thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. You are the prize. You are our promised land, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) We're not seeking your hand. We're seeking your face tonight, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Yes, we thank you for your faithfulness tonight. Oh, we thank you for your faithfulness tonight. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We, give, <laughs> we bless you. You're so worthy, Father God. You're so worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know that body's saying, I'm tired. I want to sit down. You tell it. You tell it. We're going to stand a little longer. <laughs> Keep complaining, we'll just make you stand a little bit longer. <laughs> Hallelujah. You gotta show your body who the boss is. Glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We offer you a sacrifice of praise tonight. Glory, glory. You're a priest unto God tonight. The book of Hebrews says your sacrifice that you offer now is the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of your lips. Hallelujah. (laughs) Do you know your praise is the one thing that God can't get from anyone else but you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, we praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you so much for the 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Man, I just sense the Father just being well pleased with this sound that's rising up. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father God. Oh, we're blessing his heart tonight as we praise him. You're a good father. We are so grateful to be your children. So grateful that we can say that we are the sons of God tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We worship you tonight. God, we're so grateful. Oh, that we can call you Father, that you sent the Spirit of your Son into our heart, whereby we cry out, Abba, Dad, you're a good Dad. We we thank you that you are our Father. Hallelujah. We recognize. Oh, we just come into the living room where you're sitting tonight. Hallelujah. Just to fellowship with you tonight, Father God. Oh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for all of your benefits, Father God. Hallelujah. Oh, you've done so much. I thank you, Father, that you commanded the blessing upon your people. Oh, I thank you that you commanded your blessing upon your people, Father God. Life forevermore. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Life. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can be seated. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. We just thank you for your presence, Father God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. We're so accustomed to worship with music. I think sometimes we struggle. When we don't have it, we're dependent on it, you know. But um, just speaking from your heart, how you feel about the Lord, man, that blesses Him. That's what we come here for, to bless Him. We come here to, you know, He's the one who's being exalted in this place. We come here to worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He is so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Hallelujah. Okay, well, we're going to start a a new series for this month, in the month of June on Wednesdays. We're going to do a study on divine life. So if you would, go ahead and get your Bibles open 
to the book of John. So this uh, study primarily comes from the gospel of John. He writes so much about divine life. I like to call it divine life. Uh, You'll see why later, but you know, the phrases that he uses are eternal life, everlasting life. It's all the same thing. I titled this Life Everlasting because our religious ideas that we have about what that means is we, we think of it in terms of a quantity of life. Like, I'm going to live forever, you know, and that's not what that phrase means. In fact, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, everybody's going to live forever. Believer and unbeliever alike. But their experience is going to be different. So we're going to look at um, divine life. I love the book of John. I love the, the gospel of John. It's unique from the other three gospels. In that John doesn't really write. Um, it doesn't seem like he's really trying to write about what Jesus did. But he's more focused on who Jesus is. And you know I've said this before. But you know John's gospel was the last one written. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit just said. I don't want another detailed account. Of the life and ministry of Jesus. I don't want another detailed account of the history of Jesus. But I want you to write about the mystery of Christ. That's really what John writes about. He writes about not the history of Christ. But the mystery of Christ. That gospel is unique in comparison to all the others. Um, and so let's just jump right in. In John chapter three, you know, we wouldn't even have to put this scripture up there on the screen because everybody here could quote it. Um, but you know, sometimes we get so familiar with stuff that the meaning of it goes right over our head, you know? And so I want to look at John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, you could say, so that. The reason God gave his son was for a purpose. So that we could go to heaven. Oh. Well, don't let that make you uncomfortable. So that, it's interesting, Jesus is the one speaking here. He didn't say that God gave his only begotten son so that we could go to heaven. But, you know, that's what most people interpret this as saying. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You could say, Jesus, God gave his only begotten son so that we could have life. The purpose of Jesus coming was so that we could have life. 
In fact, remember in John chapter 10, verse 10? Um, you know, in John 10, 10, Jesus speaking again, he says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that, you could say so that, they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. I love that word more, I love the words more abundantly. It just means till it overflows. That means you got more than enough. That means he wants it to be overflowing more than you need enough into other people's lives as well. But Jesus said he, he, he came to give us life. In fact, at the end of the Gospel of John in, verse, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John tells the reason why he wrote his Gospel. And this is what he says. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So, did Jesus come to establish a new religion? An updated version of Judaism. <laughs> Did Jesus come to give us a code of conduct? A set of rules? Did he come to take us to heaven? No, according to his own words, Jesus came that we might have life. A certain kind of life. That's what the phrase everlasting life, when you begin to look at it in the original language, you begin to study it, you find out that it's a kind of life that he came to give us. You know, I'll just say this, for years, because I didn't have my conversion experience until I was 33, I was existing, but I wasn't living. There's a big difference. My heart was beating, I was breathing oxygen, but I wasn't living life as God intended for man to live it. Why? Because in the garden when Adam rebelled against God, he was separated from God. And not just from his presence, but the very life that God had breathed into Adam. You know, because in Genesis 2-7, it says that God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life. That wasn't oxygen. He wasn't like kick-starting his lungs or something. No, he was breathing his very spirit into Adam and it says he became a living soul. Why Adam received the very life of God, and when he rebelled against God with the serpent, the light, there was a separation between him and God, and no longer did he have the life of God. And so Jesus came to restore what Adam forfeited for all of us in the garden. See, our problem wasn't that we were just immoral people; we were dead. <laughs> That's what we got to realize: is that we were dead. So Jesus came to make us alive again. And that's what the scriptures talk about is that Jesus came to give us life. 
And when you look at that phrase, everlasting life, the word life is the word zoe, Z-O-E, zoe. So in the New Testament, there's three kinds of life. There's three words in the Greek for life. One of them is suke, which is where we get uh, psychological, you know, or we get psyche, so it's soulish life. Uh, there is zoe, which I already mentioned, and then there's bios, which is where we get biology, and it's just your physical life. And honestly, when you look at it in the Strong's, for bios, it even says that it's manner of life. Manner of life, like how you live your life, okay? So honestly, when you think about it, the church has really majored on manner of life. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching it. (laughs) The church has really majored on the manner of life and neglected the matter of life, which is what Jesus actually came with. The, the religious Christianity has just majored on you need to live like this, you need to straighten yourself up, you need to act right, you need to live holy, and neglected the source of that, which is everlasting life, which is a kind of life that Jesus came to give to the believer. In fact, you can change your behavior, and if you don't have this life, it doesn't amount to anything anyway. In fact, holiness, righteous living is the fruit of this kind of life. You can act like, you know, you can act religious and still not have divine life. Not have the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. In fact, a lot of people do. A lot of religious people, they act a certain way, but they really don't have the substance So they act that way in front of people. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to go over to this side. These people didn't like that. So they act that way because they know how to act in front of people. But they really don't have the substance of life that Jesus came to give. Okay. So let's look at this this word uh, everlasting. So it is in the Greek, it's the word aeonos. It comes from aeon, which is the word where we get eon or age. And uh, I want to read you this in my notes. I'm kind of going slow on purpose, just setting a foundation. But in, uh, I believe it's in the helps word study, this is what it says about aeonos. It does not focus on the future per se, but rather on the quality of the age that it relates to. Thus, believers live in eternal life right now, experiencing this quality of God's life now, and I'll add this, if they walk in the light of it. Because a lot of believers have this life but they don't really have an awareness of it. And you can't walk in what you don't understand and have an awareness of. So this 
life, it is not a quantity of life, it's a quality of life. In fact, it's a life that is related to the eternal, you might say age, but it's actually life as it is in eternity. In fact, it's life as God has it, is truly what it is. Jesus came to give us, that's why I like to call it divine life. He came to give us the life of God. And you know the reason why? It's because the life that God, that Jesus came to redeem us to, is not a life that is hard to live for a human being. It's impossible to live for a human being. The life that Jesus purchased for us is a high level of life. It's a high standard of life. It's not a life you can accomplish in your own strength is what I'm trying to say. It's a life that requires us being energized by a life that is divine. I like to say it like this. I've said this a lot of times. Christianity isn't me living for God. True Christianity is Him living through me. See, a lot of people, believers, a lot of believers, they don't even realize what they have. But we, when we are born again, you might say the born again experience. We call it the new creation. What that is, is actually... The impartation of God's life. That's why you'll see somebody's life dramatically changed. That's why you see drug addicts becoming preachers. You know, that's why you see degenerates begin to display the divine nature. Why? Because they've received a new kind of life. We were dead before in our trespasses of sins. But God made us alive together with Christ. It's life. That's what he came to give us. See, if you're trying to live in your own strength and by your own willpower and just trying to do all the right things, you're missing it. That's a fruit of a revelation Of the new life that you've got on the inside. I remember whenever I got saved. And I got the revelation of the new creation. You know. uh, Drug addiction. Wasn't a. I didn't didn't struggle with stopping doing drugs. (laughs) Why? Because that's what divine life does. When it gets released into your situation. Divine life brings deliverance. Whenever you get, whenever divine life comes into the, the existence of a person who has a sickness or disease, the disease and sickness is healed and driven out. That's what divine life does. It's the life of God. Sickness and disease can't abide where the life of God is permeating that person's body. Hmm. It's life as God has it. And that's what Jesus came to give us. Let's look at John chapter 1. So I'm going to go back to John 1 and um, talk about Jesus here for a minute. 
John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, this is going to sound funny, but the word word (laughs) is the word logos in the Greek. The word word is the word logos in the Greek. And it's an interesting word. It means message. I like the way the Passion Translation uh, puts it. It says living expression. See, the Word of God is, is a person. It's not this. This is the written Word of God. But the Word is God in flesh. It's the person. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And here he says, he was in the beginning with God. Who? The Word. So this word, logos, it means message, it means expression. It can also be translated blueprint or pattern. Jesus was the pattern son. In other words, Jesus wasn't just an example for us to follow after. He's not just an example for us. He's an example of us. Jesus was man the way God intended him to be in the fullness of the revelation. He is the message. He is the living word. The written word was given to reveal the living word. And not just to us. But in us, come on now. He is the blueprint for what God intended for all of mankind. He's the pattern son. When I look at Jesus, I not only see who God intended me to be, but I see who I am through the new birth as a new creation in Christ. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. You know, in Jesus was life, Zoe. He was the life of God was on the inside of Jesus. And that life was the light of men. It gave light to us. It showed us something. Light in the Bible means revelation. Darkness means ignorance. Light means revelation. So the life that was in him is a revelation to us of a couple of things. First of all, I already mentioned that it shows us who God intended us to be. And it also shows us who we are if you're born again here tonight. If you're a new creation here tonight... John, the same writer in 1 John chapter 4, said this, As he is, go ahead, in this world, yeah. As he is, so are we in this world. So the life that was on display through Jesus was a light of revelation to us. He's not just an example for us, he's an example of us. He is the mirror image of the perfect man. Goodness. And number two, he's a light of revelation for us of who God is. Which the two are the same because God made man in his image and in his likeness. So we're going to have to raise our level of thinking. 
in regard to who we are. We have allowed our past to define us and to dictate to us not only who we are, but who we can be. Oh, my goodness. The only standard is Jesus. When I look at him, I see the life that God intended for me, and I see the life that God imparted to me when I look at Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When it says only begotten, it doesn't mean he's the only son. It means he's the unique one. He was the first one that came and was the fullness of the perfect image of who man was supposed to be. He was God's unique son. Okay, so let's look at, uh, I want to skip down here. Look at John 5 and 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so also has, so, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. What do we find out? The same life that God has is the same life that Jesus had. The same life. You say, well, duh, that was Jesus, of course. But that same life is the same life that he's imparted to you, believer. Dear brother and sister, the same life that Jesus had is the same life that God had. And it's the same life that you now have. As a born-again, new creation, (laughs) believer in Christ Jesus, you just need to let that sink in for a minute. In fact, the reason I've got a bunch of scriptures tonight, the reason I'm going slow is because, listen, we, can, we'll, we can't just mentally assent to this stuff and have it affect us on, an, on, a, high, on a level that's going to change our life. Because every other, uh, every other inf- bit of information that you're getting is telling you that this isn't true. You can't discern the fact that God's life is on the inside of you by your senses. Your senses, all of your senses are telling you it's not true. But the word of God, which is the word of truth, is telling us that the same life that was in God is the same life that was in Jesus is the same life that Jesus has placed on the inside of you. Quality of life. Not quantity of life. See, you know what that tells me? Is the same life that Jesus lived? Mm. So here's what people say. Well, we're supposed to try and live like Jesus, but we can't do it. Well, he's Jesus. We're not perfect. You see what I'm saying? Do you hear my heart? We do have what we need to live like Jesus. I said we do have. Do you know God would be unjust? (laughs) 
God would be unjust to command us to live like Jesus if he didn't supply the ability to live like Jesus. But we got to awaken. We got to awaken to the reality that the life of God is resident within you. The same quality of life, listen to this, the same quality of life that God has in eternity. If you're born again tonight, that's a big if. If you're born again tonight, the same quality of life that God has is on the inside of you. Mm. Hallelujah. Because this life is not a future promise. It's a present possession. Oh my goodness. I said it's not a future promise. See, we all, well, when we get to heaven, we'll get it. No, 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 no. It's not a future promise. It's a present possession that you have. It's not when we get there in the sweet by and by, when we cross over the Jordan, we're going to get this. No, it's a present possession of every believer. When you are born again, God imparts his very life, his very nature on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Say, can you back that up with scripture? Sure, I can. Jesus himself. He who believes in the Son has. Is that present tense? Past tense? Future tense? It's right now. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who believes in the Son has the God quality of life right now in this age, on this earth, in this present body. Oh my goodness. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's look at another one. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word... And believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What's he talking about? He's talking about you pass from spiritual death, meaning you are separated from God, separated from the force of his life, but you have passed from death into life. Look at another one. John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. You see a pattern? (laughs) It's interesting. Jesus never was saying anything about going to heaven. And he wasn't putting everlasting life or this quality of life off to the future. Oh, my goodness. So let's look at 1 John. This is the same John, but this is his letters. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony 
that God has given us eternal life. Think about that. This is the testimony of God. This is God's declaration in his message from heaven through Jesus Christ that he has given us the God quality of life and this life is in his son. The message, the testimony isn't that when you die, you go to heaven. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't go to heaven when you die. Thank God we do. But that was not the original plan. The original plan was not that we, go to, that we die and we go to heaven. If God wanted man in heaven, he would have created him in heaven. The reason he placed man on the earth at creation was because he had a plan for man here on earth to be the express image of God in the natural realm. And to cause heaven to be established on earth through us. But Adam lost our ability to do that because we lost the life of God. We lost the life force of God. We lost the quality of God's life. Which made us unable to live the life of God. And to express his kingdom and express his nature. And express his character accurately. It cut us off from the ability to know God, to experience God, and to express God in the earth. But the testimony of God through Jesus is that he's, got, he's given his life back to mankind. Believe the gospel and you receive eternal life. You receive the God quality of life. And this life, he says, is in his son. For he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Pretty plain. So the only question is, do you have the Son or do you not have the Son? Because if you have the Son, you have the life. Mm. The same life that God has. Think about it. Think about it. I'm trying to just let that sit there for you to mull that over in your mind a little bit. The same life that God has is on the inside of the believer. We are fully supplied. (laughs) We are fully supplied for anything that we face in this life. Why? Because we have the God quality of life. The problem is we haven't known about it. And listen, you can have something and not know about it, it won't do you a bit of good. I could have a million dollars in the bank somewhere. If I didn't know it, it wouldn't do me any good. It'd be just like as if I didn't have it. And did you know without the word and the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit, you could have God's life on the inside of you and not have it do you a bit of good. Because God's life doesn't manifest automatically. It's available, but it's not automatic. People think, oh, if God wants this in my life, it'll just happen. That's that's so far from... From the truth, it's a lie of the devil. Just because God wants something in your life doesn't mean it automatically happens. The Bible says he's not willing that any perish, but all men come to repentance. But are people perishing? Yes. Is it God's will? No. Why? God's will doesn't automatically come to pass because we have a part 
And once we're born again and we have received the life of God, it should be our quest to understand and cultivate a consciousness of that life and understand how to release that life into our situation and into the lives of other people. It should be our quest. It should be our highest purpose to understand this life that God has imparted and invested to his church. Understand it. Cultivate a consciousness of it where we're aware of it at all times and then learn how to release that life. So the devil's got us thinking we got to receive something from God when actually we're, God has already re- released into us everything that we could ever need. This is the same life that went forth when God said, light be. It's the same life. It's the creative life force of God. It's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of me. I tell you what, I'm walking around in possession. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm walking around in possession of something. That is remarkable. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. More powerful than a nuclear bomb. Come on. It's the creative life force of God himself. Oh, hallelujah. You know how I know I got it? Not because I got a tingle in my hand or or a... Or a doodad down my spine. You know how I know I got it? Because I got the sun. And if he who has the sun has life. Mm. Goodness. Hallelujah. We've got to cultivate an awareness. Our consciousness. We have to become so conscious of the life of God. That when circumstances arise that are against us, when opposition comes, that we don't step back and think, oh God, no. We step up and we begin to declare the transformative, creative power of God over the situation. That we don't look up and go, God, we need something. No, we've already got something. We've got to create a consciousness of it. Whenever we, whenever we stumble back at that stuff, the reason why is because we're not, it's not our, let me see how to say it, it's not our subconscious thought. You know, it says in Ephesians 4 that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Not just in our mind, in the spirit of it. I really believe that's talking about our subconscious mind. Is it really five to late? Wow. I think I got caught up in the glory because it seemed like it's been about 10 minutes. (laughs) Wow. But I believe that's the subconscious mind because it has to become so real to us that we don't even have to think about it. If I have to sit there and talk myself into believing that it's true, then I haven't really been renewed in the spirit of my mind. It should be my re- response to every situation. There's no sickness, no disease, no disorder, 
No devil. Come on. No disorder, no devil, no disease, no sickness that could ever be a match. That's why it says, greater is he who is within you than he that is in the world. Hmm. That's why Smith Wigglesworth said stuff like, I'm a million times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. He had an awareness that didn't just come to him. He cultivated a consciousness of the life of God that was on the inside of him. He knew that that life was available. He knew that he was in possession of it. And he knew that it was at his discretion to release it. Man, I think about uh, Acts chapter 3. When Peter and John were going to pray. And there was a lame man laying at the gate beautiful. And he was expecting to receive alms from him. And so they said, look at us. And he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. What was he talking about? He was talking about the divine life of God that was on the inside of him. He said, such as I have, I give unto you. He grabbed that man by the hand. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the life of God was transferred through his hand from his spirit into that man's body. And his legs received strength. And he walked and he was leaping and he was praising God. Why? Because the divine life of God that he was in possession of, he knew that he had the discretion to release it into the life of another person. He said, silver and gold isn't really what you need. So I'll give you a little silver and gold. You can go get something to eat today. But what about tomorrow? He said, how about we just release what we got, which is the life of God. Hallelujah. Restore your body and then you can get your life back. Then you don't need to be laying here at this gate and begging for alms. Hallelujah. Why? The life of God will heal you. The life of God will deliver you. The life of God will prosper you. The life of God is the answer. For every dilemma. See, we're fully supplied. We're not lacking anything. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at a couple more scriptures. Jesus, in John 14, was talking to his disciples. This is the night that he was arrested. Uh, and uh, crucified the next day, and he's telling them that he's going to leave. And he says something incredible. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. (laughs) He says, it's better for you. You see, a lot of believers, because they don't understand the life of God, a lot of believers go, man, if Jesus was here. Man, if Jesus was here, he could fix all my problems. Just one touch of the master's hand. How about the whole master? (laughs) But what that shows we don't understand. If Jesus was here. Jesus said this. It's better if I go away. Because he was confined to one body. He said it's better that I go away. Because if I don't go. the, The helper can't come. But if I go. I'll send him to you. 
He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. And at that day, what day? The day when the Holy Spirit comes, when we're born again, when we get the impartation of the life of God. He said, you'll know this. You'll know that I'm in the Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. That's what the Holy Spirit came to reveal. See, through the new birth, God moves on the inside of you by His Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit begins to unveil what happened to you. He begins to cause you to be able to discover and to understand that the very life force of God, God Himself by His Spirit, which is life, is on the inside of you. The very spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. That when God said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. He was the one who caused it to be made manifest. And he is on the inside of you. Oh my goodness. He said, here's what I want you to know. That Jesus said, I'm in the Father. The Father, you are in me and I am in you. The revelation of divine union. We are one with Him. What is true of Him is true of us. What belongs to Him now belongs to us. That's what the Holy Spirit came to reveal. Jesus said He is the Spirit of truth. And He came to lead us and guide us into all truth. Which is the fact that He lives on the inside of us. And the very life force of God is within you. But you're not lacking anything. Look at this, John 15. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Do you know that when you look at a grapevine, I don't know if you've ever looked at one. But coming out of the ground is a pretty good stalk. And then they branch off two ways. And off of that main vine comes branches. And it's on the branches that the fruit is produced. But the life force that produces the fruit comes through the vine. The same life that's in the vine is in the branch. This is what he's trying to show us. The same life that is in me, the vine, is in you, the branch. And if you'll abide in me, then you'll bear much fruit. How do we abide? We cultivate a consciousness, an awareness. Another word for abide is dwell. How do I dwell on something? I meditate on it. How often do you sit and meditate on the fact that the life of God, that you are a possessor? Here's here's really the title for this particular message tonight. That we are the possessors of life. We are possessors of life. Zoe. We are possessors of the life of God. Hmm. You should walk around and tell yourself that tomorrow. I'm a possessor of divine life. 
I am a possessor of the life of God. You know, Jesus, that's what he said in John 4. Remember when he met the woman at the well? He said, give me a drink. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. And I'd give you what? Living water. What is water symbolic of? Life. Well, water is a building block of life. Your body is primarily water. But Jesus said, I have a water to offer you that is energized. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. He said, I got a water that's energized. It's living water. Hmm. Let me look that up. Let's read that. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. See, it's all through John. John had this revelation of life. John 4 and 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. He wasn't talking about physical thirst. He was talking about spiritual thirst. What was he saying? You'll always be satisfied. Why? He said, because whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. There it is again. Jesus said, I'll put a fountain on the inside of you. No wonder he said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. He's talking about a fountain of life that springs up from within and is more than enough. It's a geyser of water. It's a geyser of energized life. It's a geyser of the very life of God on the inside of us. Mm. It's the divine substance of who God is. We are... He is the vine, we're the branches. The same life that's in the vine is in the branches. Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. This is how this is, you know, what he's beginning to to talk about is the fact that we have, uh, through the new birth, we have come into union with God. That's what the new birth is. It's man and God united in such a way that they become one. I want to say that again. The new birth is man and God becoming united as one. In fact, in Paul, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him not figuratively this isn't an allegory this isn't a figure of speech this is literal oh man I could just take off running right now this is a literal union with him to where my spirit and his spirit have become one in fact the word one there means to the exclusion of another it means you, they cannot be separated. On a spiritual level, the believer is one with Christ, so much so that the two cannot be separated. 
problem is, is you don't have discernment of who you are in the spirit. We evaluate ourselves of who we are in the flesh. And because of that, we're blinded to the reality that the New Testament tells us is the truth, that we are one spirit with him. And listen, the commingling of my spirit with Christ wasn't him taking on my attributes. Uh-oh. You know what that means? Is that my, my identity got swallowed up in his. <laughs> mm. See, my identity, the, the person that I was before, he's dead. He needed to be. He needed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a new nature. The very life of God has come into our spirit because he himself has become one with us, one spirit with him. That's how John could say, as he is, so are we in this world. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You know, we we see this in marriage. You know, the Bible says two shall become one flesh. Why? Because marriage is a natural, temporal union. It's only temporary. But our union with Christ is spiritual, and all spiritual things are eternal. It tells me that when you become united to Christ, it's an eternal union. And it's not a union that you can discern with your senses. It doesn't, see, I don't get up in the morning and just feel like I'm one with Christ. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I can't see my spirit. I can try to feel my spirit, but I can't. Why? I got a body in the way. The only way that I can discern my identity spiritually is through the mirror of the word. The mirror of the word tells me what I look like in the spirit. That's why so many believers are blind to who they truly are. Because they don't spend any time looking in the mirror. They spend more time looking in the mirror in the bathroom in the morning before they leave to go to work than they do looking in the spiritual mirror to see who they actually truly are. And what you see in the mirror is fading away. And sometimes it seems like it's fading fast. (laughs) But who we are spiritually is eternal. Goodness. See, tonight I just want to awaken us to some realities. So the next week or the next time, we're going to talk about, see, tonight we're talking about being possessors of life. I want you walking out of here going, I'm a possessor of the life of God. I'm fully supplied. The living water that Jesus told the woman at the well about has become in me a fountain springing up unto everlasting life. 
I have the same quality of life in me that God has right now in eternity. I want you walking away, not just saying it, but knowing it. I want you walking away saying it so that you can meditate on it and it can become a reality. That you spend time cultivating through those scriptures that we talked about tonight. Cultivating a consciousness of the fact that you are a possessor of the life of God. And next time we're going to talk about being partakers of the life of God. Because it's one thing to know that you're a possessor of it. It's a whole other thing to be a partaker of it. Because you can be a possessor of, of the life of God and never partake of it. You only partake of it to the, to the degree that you walk in the light of it. What I mean by that? That you walk in the revelation of it. So I want to talk about how that we are partakers of the life of God. Who wants to study that and, and understand how that we become partakers of the life of God? Because listen, when you partake of the life of God, you know, I remember Miles Monroe. Um, I don't know if you know who Miles Monroe is. But when he was a young child, um, you know, they, they told him he needed to get out of elementary school, that he didn't have the mental capacity even to learn. But he got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, got revelation of the life of God, and he went on and he had business degrees, degrees of divinity, wrote countless books, traveled the world, not only speaking in churches, but corporations all over the world, teaching leadership. Well, that's what the life of God can do. When you begin to take of the life of God, wisdom and understanding come into your life to where you're able to be a better business person than you ever were before. You're able to be a better husband than you were before. You're able to be a better father than you were before. You're able to be a better grandparent than you were before. It'll cause your marriage to go to a new level when you begin to take of the life of God. Why? Because it's the nature of God being manifest. That's what the fruit that he was talking about, you'll bear much fruit. What's he talking about? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those characteristics will just begin to be manifested in your life when you start partaking of the life of God. It fix, it'll fix your relationships. It'll fix our relationships in the church. It'll bring us to a new level of unity within the church to where God will have the freedom and the liberty to manifest his glory in this place the way that he wants to. To where people are sitting in the seat and they jump up and go, I just got healed. <laughs> Somebody jumps up and runs around your room. And you're like, what happened? I just got healed. I just received healing in my body. I just, I just understood that I was healed just like the woman with the issue of blood. She just, in a moment, she knew she was healed. It says she knew within herself that she was healed. That's where we're heading, guys. I'm telling you, that's what God wants. Mm. It's us to be so conscious that when we come together that God is manifested in this place to where that His glory, I'm talking about His manifest presence, has liberty to do in the lives of people, whatever it is they're needing. Amen? Amen. And then from here, we go out and we begin to take, oh man, 
We begin to take our experience and we take it out and we begin to express it in the lives of people who don't even know God. See, because people don't have to get saved to receive a miracle. In fact, receiving a miracle, they'll get saved. We've We've been saying to the unbelievers, come to the church. And Jesus said what in Matthew 28? Go into the world. <laughs> but I think because we've been so unsure of our ability to meet the needs of unbelievers, we have not wanted, we haven't had the boldness to step out and go do the works of Jesus in our generation. See, here's the thing. You don't have to have a healing anointing. Mm. See, that's where we've been messed up. We thought that healing was Oral Roberts and Benny Hinn and all these special anointings. That's who does those kind of miracles. See, so believers have chased these kind of people around trying to get their healing when they've got the very life of God on the inside of them. You don't need a healing anointing. He is the healing anointing. I said He is the healing anointing. God doesn't have healing. He has life. He is life. And His life brings healing. His life brings wholeness. His life brings deliverance. And you've got it on the inside of you. All you got to do is create and cultivate and a consciousness and awareness of what you've got. And then learn how to release it. That's what we got to do. I say you, I mean me. <laughs> I say I mean us. But I believe that's where God's taking us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just stand. Father, thank you so much for the revelation, hallelujah, that we are possessors of divine life, that we are fully supplied for everything that you have created, designed, and called us to do. Father God, I thank you that we are arising in our consciousness, that we are awakening to the reality, Father God, of who we are. As a new creation people. Mm. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that we're never in a deficit. In any situation, we're never in a deficit. We're fully supplied. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. So if there's anybody here tonight that you have any need whatsoever, I'm just going to have the ministers go ahead and come up. I'm going to release us to be dismissed. But if you have a need tonight, if you've got the life of God in you, and, and Francine's got the life of God in her, just imagine what could happen if you both come together. I said these hands are like jumper cables. That's what, that's, what, that's what our hands, when the laying on of hands, that's what it is. It, it's giving them a jump. It's giving them a jump. It's taking the, the life that's on the inside of you and connecting with somebody else and releasing that life into their body. And what's in them, man, provides explosive, creative power. Miracles. So don't leave tonight. If you have any kind of need, come see the ministers. Uh, they would love to join in faith with you and, and just release the life of God. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.